Welcome to episode four of Inside Futsal, and I'm really happy on this beautiful Friday to have my good friend and special guest all the way over in Europe. We don't know where he is. Italy, Ireland, Spain. He's all over the world. Emanuele Riso, one of the most knowledgeable European minds in futsal. Emanuele, how are you, my friend? Hi, Chris. You are too kind. <laughs> I'm in, uh, I'm in Italy at the moment, in Genoa, my, my home city. I love it. And how's the weather out there? Because right now in Toronto, it's minus 22. And I bet anything right now in Genoa, it's going to be a lot warmer than that. No, like here, the, the weather is nice. Maybe a bit too nice because it's, uh, since it's January, we expect it a bit, to be a little bit colder and uh, wetter. So, you know, global warming and stuff but eh, the weather the weather is really nice now yeah i mean we all we all are against global warming but i have to be honest when it gets to minus 20 i kind of <laughs> wish i bought a hummer a few years ago to help make it a little faster i'd like some uh, nice italian weather over here well my friend we had some games today russia looking fantastic and what did you think of the russia slovakia game russia going 7-1 phenomenal goals a performance for the ages by Antoshkin. uh what was your thoughts overall on the game the russian team and how great they looked well uh, expectations were high uh, for russia because it's uh it's one of the strongest teams in europe but it's always what well, it is it doesn't it, it doesn't want for like uh, years now so it, you always have big expectation on them and you always expect them to to win and do better than they eventually do. Uh, for example, at the World Cup, you they were one of the favorites, and then they ended up uh, they were eliminated like in the knockout stage. So you exp you expect them to get here with the, some sort of some sense of revenge, you know, because especially with the the two competition being so close, one of one to another, and they. They did a very a very good impression, and it was actually the so far the the only big team that did what they were expected to do because um, Portugal and Kazakhstan had a sort of false start in their first match. Uh, Portugal then did better in the second in the second half of their game, and Kazakhstan ended up. Uh, drawing against Slovenia and Russia instead they started very well they didn't start very well actually <laughs> in the first minute we had that Kozar low shot that let's be honest yeah I, I think uh, that shot should have been stopped what do you think yeah it didn't seem so complicated to stop yeah what, what I noticed was the ball being stopped by the weird structure of, of the goal that we all <laughs> that was so talked about in the in the World uh, Cup Lithuania yeah exactly they didn't put the they didn't put the plexiglass this time they they just they just waited for they just hoped it nothing happened and but yeah after this they basically they woke up and then they didn't have any problem in the in the rest for the rest of the match like Zovekia had their chances and we expected uh we expected some goal from Drawski, which is uh one of the best strikers in the Spanish league. But in the end, like Russia was a, super, a superior team and 
basically they they show it yeah i mean one of the biggest performances everyone's always looking at the rubinho to be the guy but let's be honest today uh we saw the fantastic hat trick performance um of antoshkin and he was absolutely sensational today i mean we we saw that first shot of the tie it up at the low corner um and and it was just everything off that perfect corner from nando uh when they went up three to one it was just you know russia when they're on the wings and they're in dead ball situations it, it really seems that they're just they know where the ball's going before they even put it uh they they looked slow to start but once they got going it looked like a train that simply couldn't be stopped yep if they play if they play in the right conditions like the maybe with uh, like with the right mind uh, with the right mindset like they they like they're one of the strongest thing around uh the problem is they the the environment has always been a little bit shady around them because uh you you had the their the national coach uh Skorovic always makes some very weird choices and there's been some discussions some the debates about the his choices so uh sometimes the these these choices may may cause some some problems let's say that in the locker room but um when they just think about playing and do their stuff they just so really good like we saw it the, the usual uh 101 of uh, from Rubinho and we saw uh Antoshin doing uh, this hat trick but I also really liked uh, Sokolov the the young the young player very good performance who for some for some reason he didn't broke in to the, in the in the World Cup he he wasn't he wasn't called for the World Cup and he's now playing the uh the Euro which I suppose because some of the other main players is missing I think it's Afan uh, Afanasayev if I if I pronounce it well and so yeah they it's it was a very a very a very nice performance especially from these two from these two players yeah I mean you you mentioned uh, Sokolov and that that goal over Russia went up two to one uh Abramov got the you know he got the captain's armband which was great to see um and he just found Sokolov with this beautiful nice touch and you've just you have to really be impressed and think just how promising the future is for Russian futsal, uh, particularly their domestic player development. There's some phenomenal players coming up. The Russian league's fantastic. Um, I mean, it's just really exciting to see what the future holds. Uh, to be honest, at the beginning of the tournament, I, I did have Russia to win. Uh, I had Russia facing Portugal in the final, and they just looked so good during the World Cup. Um, and this first performance, uh, against Slovakia I mean it's not that Slovakia is a bad team it's just Russia's that good you know made them look you know a, a second class kind of citizens if you will who did you have as favorites coming into this tournament to win well my favorites are are uh, Kazakhstan and and it still is despite the bad start and because I I like them so much in the World Cup and they have basically the same team and they they started with the Leo with the Leo Jaragua in the roster, which was one of the biggest upsets in the in the World Cup. But he was very lucky and got injured again just right before the right before the tournament. So they basically have the same team, which got fourth place in the World Cup. And I and I saw and I see them very 
um, seem, it really seems is there is their time, you know, to 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 win something uh, at uh, on the national uh, at the national team level because they also they already won with Kairat uh, so many times, but. Uh, it seems it's the right time for the national team to win something, especially because we have players like uh, Leo Igita or Douglas Jr., they, they, which are still very good, especially Douglas. Uh, Igita didn't have a great uh, game the, the other day, but they are still uh, star players, but they never really won, they never won anything uh, with their national team or with Kazakhstan. So, and they start being i'm not not say gonna say old but they are not the youngest stars anymore that's so, for sure well douglas is what now 33 years old and but he played more minutes than anybody at the world cup i, I think andre dropped that to me in episode one and you're right they haven't won anything yet but i think what they took from the world cup is that they were only penalties away from beating the champions and moving on to the final against argentina uh, and it was a real real big confidence booster I think that the belief is there in the team that they can achieve it. Um, the entire country is behind them. I, I think I read somewhere that more uh, Kazakh fans were watching their team in the World Cup than any other team, with the exception of Brazil and Spain, uh, per capita based off population. So I, I was interested in it because it tells me the country of Kazakhstan is behind this. Uh, obviously, the federation is. Obviously, the domestic clubs, particularly Kaidat, um, are behind it. So not a bad pick at all. Now, who did you have uh, seeing them in the final? Uh, well, I would say I would say uh, Portugal again uh, because they for the same reason because they have the same the same group and they they may have the same still uh, leave the momentum <laughs> they since the their World Cup win. But I also see uh, Spain is quite promising because they did some change in their roster and I see uh, my Spanish friends uh, a bit more optimistic uh, than in their in the days previous before the World Cup so uh, it's I think it's either one of them uh, either Portugal or Spain now, if, let me ask if, the, if the clash is permits it, if no, it matches, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't remember the table now well, I think it's a winner of a plays runner-up of B Winner of B plays yeah. runner-up of A, and then the same thing with C and D. Um, I like it. Now, are you a fan that this Euro is the first to get to 16 teams? Yeah, no, I like the the more the better, especially because uh, in the previous editions, uh, with the, the there were groups with three teams, uh, which I I never I never liked because me too. I didn't like that at all. Uh, I don't I don't see much sense in it. So. Uh, the the more the better. Like with well, now with the with sixty with sixteen teams, it's kind of um, probably not. Uh, it's probably the right dimension because if you added some more, it maybe it would be too much, um, and you would be back to um, to groups with the odd number of of teams. So, so I think this is the I think is this is the right dimension for a for a Euro for a Euro tournament, but. It's surely better than than before with the with those silly uh, three <laughs> with those silly three team groups. Four groups of three teams each with the. I, I just wasn't a fan of it. I mean, if anything, do three groups of four have the top two move on and maybe the two best third place? That's what I would have 
Yeah, consider. because when when you have when you have three teams, you are so you you just spend so much time trying to understand the the goal difference. You just it's not even fun anymore. Like you're just there, like okay, if they draw, if they win, if they lose, of how many points, then you have to count the yellow cards. Uh, but then with, with four teams, with the first uh, with the first two uh, qualifying, I think it's just the right the right thing to do. And the same the same with the World Cup. Like if we had 32 teams with only two teams uh, passing the, the the phase, that would be that would be the best. Yeah, the only thing I'm sad about is that this tournament's now going to be every four years instead of every two. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those tournaments I look forward to every couple of years. And now it's like, oh, I got to wait the same amount of time as the World Cup. So I'm a little sad on it. But hey, if it means more teams getting competition and opportunities to compete, I'm all for it. So, you know, I'm excited on it. Now, one question I had, you know, going back quickly to the Russia game, we won't dwell on it too much. But you, you saw when they went up four to one and Rubinho made that little flick down the wing and he just beat his defender and just rocketed in. Tell me, when are defenders going to learn? You just don't. Don't do that with Robinho. He he shows you every single time he does it. When are these guys going to learn Emmanuel? It's like one of those magicians that's, uh, that show, that shows the trick, but they <laughs> they still fool you, you know. And it's uh it's one of those it's one of those players that they they do this always the same move or, or maybe with some variations, but uh, they are so they are so quick, they are so smart in their in the execution that they. They, they always get away with it. It's uh, it's amazing. He's wild. And I mean, let me ask you, with the, I mean, there's no fans, which is so disappointing. I was hoping to be over there. Uh, I know you were me hoping too. to be over there. Uh, but they're doing a great job. I mean, I love the Dutch Federation and what UEFA are doing with this tournament. You, like me, we like music a lot. <laughs> what is your thoughts, first on the music that they're playing? Because I love what I'm hearing during halftime pregame. <laughs> You see the players; they're moving to the beat. They're stretching to it. Um, lots of lots of EDM and ninety <laughs> Italo disco from the nineties. I feel like I got to go to a pizza when I'm at this game. I want to go clubbing after. You know, there's no clubs for two years. But uh, you know, what did you think of the the music? Uh, and most importantly, what do you think of the horn? Yeah, the horn is amazing, man. <laughs> I love it. I, I feel like I'm at an Armin van Buren concert. This is. Uh, that, that kind of horn is you if if you ever been on a, uh to a dj set of any kind you 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 must have heard that that <laughs> that horn and like that's that's the symbol of electronic music so you could you could only you could hear that only in only in russia that that was amazing and it was so funny to see it it's much better than the car horn from the 30s in lithuania i had no <laughs> idea what was happening out there i'm, I'm going to, and you're hearing this tractor i was like the heck is going on and it's loud it was super loud and you could see the teams looking up in the arena going what the hell is that you know <laughs> but it, it was super fun and then after russia won i noticed that the dj started spinning some russian rap and i, I don't know any <laughs> russian except no. da and yet and it was just i'm sitting there and i'm just going all right some good futsal seven goals <laughs> I didn't ah, realize it it. they don't have the they don't have the the the, the cool idea they did in lithuania was to to let the team choose a, like a theme song for their goals. And yeah, I like that idea a lot. This, this, this was missing. Like, for example, uh, Portugal was using uh, a song from one of the, uh, one, a very famous uh, Portuguese band, which I'm sorry, but I don't remember the name now. And I'm also afraid to pronounce it bad. 
So I'm not saying that. It. It's better than my Portuguese, and I have the Portuguese last name. How sad is that? <laughs> so no, it was uh, it was really nice. So it was a nice idea, and I, I hoped it was repeated. But you know, without without the audience, it's not even. I mean, it's not a big point. Anyway, I mean, I see the DJ with these empty arenas. It's it's kind of sad in a way, but <laughs> at it's least definitely. we can at least we can enjoy the tunes at all. Hey, and I like your artificial fans out there. You know, it's like a little bit of The Walking Dead. You you see these cardboard or <laughs> plastic cutouts. I had to watch it a couple of times to see if it was a if it was electronic for UEFA TV's broadcast. But if it's actual physical fans that are in the first like ten rows. So I, I like what they're doing. Oh, what are you? What are your thoughts on the design of the court? Oh, it's a it's a really nice court. I like the I like the orange uh, the, the orange frame and uh, the the also the the blue. Uh, the blue parquet is nice, and it can be uh, maybe uh, a bit uh, difficult to see the players when they, they when they wear a similar blue. For example, Italy yesterday sometimes, and it took a while to uh, get used to 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 and see uh, and see the our team uh, well. Well, we could see the shorts, the black shorts, but the 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 blue the blue the blue shirts were a bit too similar to the to the blue parquet but it's a, still a nice a really nice a really nice court a really nice design and yeah. i also like the the fake the fake audience it reminds me of the old uh, soccer games like fifa 2000 oh my with goodness the, i didn't think of it that's great with the fake with, with the fake audience i know you just had like black hair red hair blonde hair repeat for the entire stadium exactly it, it was wild yeah, no, Mondo makes a good court. Now, let me ask you, with the design in the center of the court, the, the UEFA Euro Futsal logo, do you think it's too big? There's some people who've been saying that the, the center looks a little too big and maybe they should reduce it. What's your yeah, thoughts I, on that? I didn't even realize it. When I when I, I also read a tweet from uh, our friend from Portugal, João Tiago, who... Oh, what a guy. Let's talk about him later on. João Tiago. Ah, he's, he's a genius. He's a genius. Legend. <laughs> and he was complaining about the uh the logo on the on the pitch which is uh actually really really big i mean i you can you, you get used to that as well i guess but it's also i mean they really wanted to show it you know? <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely branding for sure and i guess before moving on to the next one i mean let's talk about artem and atoshkin guys only 28 years old he has played in the last two World Cups, scored three goals in the last one in Lithuania. Um, you know, he's in his 10th season with the same club over in Fumin, over in the Russian League. Uh, and he has over 100 goals for them already. You know, it, how come he is not as big of a name as some of the more um, well-known players in the world, like a Farao or a Rodrigo or, you know, some of the other big ones out there, a Pani Varela, for example. You know, this guy's super talented. He's been very consistent. Um, you know, he had a performance of the lifetime today uh, with the assist, uh, would have had a second assist, uh, that unbelievable uh, chip pass out there that the, the shot hit the bar if it was only a couple centimeters. That would have been three goals, two assists. Tell us about Antoshkin and just how good this guy is and why he's not getting the respect that he deserves. Well, uh, that's a thing that's quite common for Russian players. I mean, uh, if you think about the fact that Ivan Chishkala was the first Russian player playing outside of Russia. 
when he when he went to Benfica uh, like two seasons ago once no see yes two two years ago and I mean the Russian league was, has always been like a very a very nice a very powerful league but it's they are not very used to export their players I mean I'm talking about native Russian players because of course if you talk about Eder Lima or Romulo who are naturalized uh, Brazilian ball players of course they they also they traveled and they they played abroad uh, Escardinha in Barcelona is another Brazilian Russian player but if you talk about uh, native uh, Russian born players it's it's quite rare to see one of them playing in other big leagues and I can we can say this about Antoshkin but also about you know the Abramov which is another amazing player or um, Artem Niazov and it's it's very I don't know if it's a thing about they prefer to play to play in Russia or if they don't get the, the attention they they deserve outside and maybe people prefer tend to prefer Brazilians or Spanish players instead of Russians one yeah, well, speaking of the, the foreign players of Russia, just I think it was yesterday or the day before, it was the birthday of uh, Cirilo Cardozo. So I uh, want to wish a happy birthday oh, to yeah, the legend out there. Um, and Eder Lima has always been really, really good to me. Um, I mean, his Russian is just fantastic. He, he doesn't want to do the interview in Portuguese. He doesn't want to do it in English. Um, you know, he's very committed out there. But these young Russian players that are coming up, you know, a few years ago when the economic uh, collapse happened, they made the rule change where the Russian league has two 25-minute halves, and I loved it. I thought, hey, number one, the more futsal, the better. The more minutes that the players are getting, the better. And you could also utilize uh, those minutes for some of the guys who aren't necessarily going to be playing for 40 minutes out there. Um, so I really like what the Russian Federation's done. If you go to their website, they're very detailed about their players. They promote them. Uh, the games are done very well. Uh, one of our friends, uh, you know, Kirill, as one of the broadcasters out there, I'm a very big fan of Eastern European futsal in general, and particularly Russian. So I hope they start getting a little more uh, attention uh, in the Western part of Europe and, and in South America, instead of just every couple of years at the World Cup or Euro. So, you know, we look out for guys like that and Natoshkin, and there's going to obviously, uh, you know, be some really big players coming up that are young out there. We spoke about, uh, you know, uh, Abramov and, and all these other guys that are just you know, they're studs out there. And I think Russia, I think they're going to go all the way as a result of uh, their domestic talent. Yeah, they, yeah, the, the problem is, uh, I mean, they, they really have problems in achieving uh, something for real, like, uh, because their, their quality is, uh, is no, is on that is a, there's no discussion about their, about their quality and the, the 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 high level of their league and the their their potential but the the thing is they always seem like the uh how can i say that um i mean they they they, they always the their maximum result was as being reaching a final without without winning and this maybe starts to be a bit uh uh like a burden for them you know and so maybe this is also why they're not uh, uh, this considered but i think 
and I think this they they deserved so much credit for for the for the quality they show every time and for those who for those who don't for those who don't follow the league uh, I highly suggest it because it's uh, it's very fun to watch and as you as you already said it's 10 minutes more per per game so it's a it's a definitely a, a league to a league to follow yeah I would love to go to Russia uh, for a couple of months I was there uh, for two months back in 2018 at the uh, football World Cup and I absolutely loved it not just Moscow and St Petersburg but we also went down to Sochi Nizhny Novgorod a uh, very big sports city out there. Uh, I would love to go for a couple months and just follow the Russian league because it's fantastic. But since COVID's going on, we got the TV going. So <laughs> why don't we move forward, though, and talk about the second game of that day in Group C. And that was something else to watch. Let's let's start off, please, by all means, talking about Croatian defender Matej Horvat with, if this isn't the goal of the tournament, I don't even want to know what's going to top it because this was just a, a work of art out there. Um, I mean, tell, I'll just let you talk about it. It was so good. Well, um, I, I I don't know how to describe it. Like he he kind of he he managed to dribble like one or two defenders and the goalkeeper, and then he did the I I know the Rabon Rabon or Trivela the with the <laughs> with the opposite foot. So I remember Ricardinho doing a similar goal in the past. I think it was the the, the past edition, no? Against uh, I don't remember which one. Hey, you're talking about the Serbia one where he turned backwards. Uh, or are you talking the, the one in 2018? No, the one in 2018. He did the same thing he did over tonight with uh, from the from the arc basically from a right up. From right outside the the penalty area, I think it was in Portu with Portugal in the in the last uh, in the in the previous Euros, but maybe uh, I didn't know. I didn't you know how many amazing goals that guy scored? It's it's like, <laughs> even highlight reels. Like which, which when you say it's like which Ricardinho goal, you don't even talk about which game he scored. You talk about which goal in the game <laughs> he scored. That's how good he is. Yeah, it's it's easy it's easier to talk about the goals than the games, and. No, I and speaking about Croatia in general, uh, I really I really liked the way they played, especially the first the first half. They they have they showed a really nice uh, ball circulation. They really uh, they could construct uh, very nice uh, offensive uh, situations by managing the ball and handling the ball and without the Poland barely seeing it. Uh, for uh, for various seconds like they could uh, they could build their their own offensive uh, offensive chances like with the with much simplicity and i don't know if it's because of poland which didn't play very well in the first in the first half i i didn't really like it i like them because they didn't really show anything um while in the second half they they improved a lot their game and they at least they they showed some one-on-one situations where they could go to uh, to the shot on goal but i i really liked uh i, I think croatia won with the, not the minimum effort but without uh having to uh uh, spend too too much energy. Like in the second, the second half was quite uh, 
they relaxed. Can, yeah, yeah. They they seemed. It seemed to me that they let Polonia play a little bit uh, for the. Sorry, Polonia, Poland. <laughs> uh, for the for the maybe the first half of the second period. And but yeah, they they showed very a lot of technique and a lot of skills, and which was uh, what we was expecting from them. And Croatia is another is another team like similar to Russia in terms of uh, expectations. Uh, I think Croatia from the uh, it's uh, one of the second tier teams which uh, we expect the most after losing the uh, World Cup qualification against the Czech Republic, which was which was a huge disappointment for them, I, I think, uh, because they were favorites to win that. And now they, it's another, it, and also it's another team that waits has been waiting for a long time to achieve an important result because they definitely have the quality to to get that so and in this first game they showed all their uh, qualities and their skills yeah after those first two games i personally think russia and croatia are going on i mean croatia if i'm not mistaken they finished i'm pretty sure they finished fourth when they hosted the tournament back in 2012 so i mean they, they have a lot of strengths, they have a lot of experience, and they have some building. The FA supports them. Um, you know, Poland, let's be honest, they're an inexperienced team. That was evident, particularly in the first half. Um, any opportunities they did have, they don't have anybody with a clinical finishing ability. Now, mind you, that one goal that Patrick Holy scored was great, but that was off a mistake that Horvat essentially gave to him. And he picked the spot out there. So, you know, congrats to you know Patrick on that goal. But there was four or five other clear-cut chances that Poland had uh, to capitalize against Croatia. Um, and they missed the net completely out there. So, you know, they're going to need to really, you know, develop those skills. But it's good for them to be in this competition because every national team starts at ground zero somewhere. And, um, you know, they're going to be hopefully, uh, you know, having a, a better development in their domestic league and, and produce better players so that they can compete on the international stage. Yeah, Poland is probably the well today. Uh, also, also Slovakia with the when when you when you take seven goals, you, you don't make a great impression. But I think also Pol Poland um, could have done a bit a bit more. And, and yeah, it wasn't. It's probably one of the weakest teams uh, in this tournament. And. Yeah, it's always been uh, like uh, it still has to step up a little bit because it's always been. I mean, it's uh, it has participated in a for a for a for a good. Uh, I mean, it, it it's not the first time they participate in a in a futsal uh, in a futsal Euro, but they really never they've never been a very uh, strong team, but they. With uh, they they have a they have a nice uh, they have a nice league in terms of uh, 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 visibility and the way they I, I like the way you can and I like their website the way they their communication strategy so they like they like futsal over there so they I think it's it's also uh, it's a, it's another country that uh, if if they work. If, if they really work on it, they can they can 
they can grow surely and the thing is uh, there's no place for everybody so somebody has to take the the lower spots but they they also have a a, a nice futsal tradition yeah and one of their players the veteran you know franco jelovic um, and, and you know what, we talked about how hard it was to pronounce Russian player names. I mean, anybody from the Balkans, uh, Serbia and uh, Croatia, it is difficult. But, you know, he's got almost 100 caps. He's going to reach that, uh, that that century mark soon. And he's got over 50 goals for Croatia. Um, you know, we, did you see the goal where, you know, he, he, he completely whiffed on the shot, but then he had that tight angle and, and put it in out there. It was, uh, you know, a nice little thing for uh, Jelovic to to get in there and now he's over in the Belgian league playing uh, for uh, what is it Halegok? I can never pronounce that team's name. Is it Halegok? Uh, Halegok? Hale, Halegok, I think. Halegok? <laughs> yeah, I think it's that Halegok. Wouldn't that be just like a good thing every time the team scores, the whole fans, the arena just goes Halegok. I would just love something like that. Yeah, or even put uh, in parentheses the, the way they pronounce it, so we can all learn how to <laughs> how to say the name. We're we're gonna tweet them. They're gonna tell us out there and get it said. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, moving on to tomorrow's games. Um, you know, I, I'm a little excited out here. I mean, it's the final match day one uh, for Group D. Uh, who do you like in the matches for tomorrow morning? Well, for morning for me, for afternoon for you guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first one is uh, Georgia Azerbaijan. And I think Georgia here is uh, is the favorite. I mean, I think in this group, Georgia is the one that with more chances to, to get the second place, with Spain, of course, having to win it. I mean, I can't see anything different from Spain winning the group. And, and yeah, uh, Georgia is... Uh, is coming with a, a new bunch of uh, uh, naturalized players. Like they they naturalized a few uh, Brazilian players last year. Uh, yeah, last well, well with the, with now with pandemic, I can't I can't remember which year was that. But uh, they they've been practicing with this new uh, let's say. Uh, uh, with these new players for for a while now and they started having some sort of chemistry because i remember the first the first games when they arrived with the four brand new naturalized uh, brazilian players they were still uh, good players but not really into the dynamics of the team and now after after one year they they now started getting good results so i think i think that they are uh, they are a very good candidate for second place because now they have uh, the uh, pivo elisandro which is a, a, an amazing player with uh, with a past in spain and now playing in a sporting braga in portugal and they they have shaginha who is another play, uh, player with a lot of experience in spain and in italy uh, and Portugal as well. Uh, they have Thales, uh, Roninho, which is uh, the historical uh, Brazilian uh, Georgian player uh, who used to play for Kherson in Ukraine and now playing in Alegoic with uh, Yelovcic. And they they now they now have a good uh, they now have a good uh, uh, dynamic. They have a, they they have a, they are a good team now. Uh, 
while Azerbaijan is another team with, with a lot of uh, naturalized players, but they have been playing. Uh, I mean, it's uh, uh, the average age is a bit higher, so uh, I don't see them. Um, uh, I mean, they are, it's players who were the other top levels some year ago. So while the Brazilian players from Georgia are a bit more uh, in their in their uh, in a higher level at the moment, so I think it's uh, Georgia is it's, has, has better chances to to win this game and to get to the second place and the second phase. Well, I mean, let's be honest. This tournament, everybody seems to favor Spain, Portugal, Russia, Kazakhstan. It's almost pretty much a universal picks across the board. Is there one team? in your mind that has stood out as a potential upset or dark horse to go far and even win the championship mm, to win the championship i think it's very very hard uh, because the difference between the first year and second year it's narrower than a few years ago but i think it's still a bit too much to to overcome and uh, in order to win the championship but i think maybe serbia and croatia are the two teams that maybe uh, they maybe the ones that could knock out uh, maybe one of the bigger teams in the quarterfinals um, because in the other in the other groups i don't see for example italy uh, capable of uh, getting to the semifinals, which I hope, hopefully, I hope uh, to be. You wrong. hope you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and if it wasn't, if it was in Italy uh, to get to the uh, to get to the quarterfinals, it may be Finland in their place, which is another team which could be a very nice surprise in the quarterfinals. But I don't see them to get to the next round. So I think Serbia and Croatia are the are the ones who could really be the the surprise. Yeah, um, I have to be honest, I was very impressed with Slovenia yesterday. Not, not necessarily just the way they played, because I think Kazakhstan, that was not their best performance. Um, you know, they certainly turned it on towards the end of the game. But the thing that I really noticed about Slovenia was that they, they played for each other really hard. And I know that's almost a, you know, a cliche thing to say, but every time someone made a mistake or they did something good, Everybody was cheering them on on their bench, on the court, you know, and it was a, you could tell that the coaches really got their team together. So I, I definitely like Croatia after what I saw today. Um, Serbia, we know that they can perform much better than they did against Portugal, uh, particularly in the second half. Um, so, I mean, the whole Balkan region is just full of talent in futsal. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see like a Balkan Super League, now that I think about it. You just get every every single player together from the entire region make it and also in the baltics when we were in lithuania instead of having just a domestic league have latvia have estonia have lithuania together but what, what are your thoughts on that i don't know where that came from but i want to shoot it out there well i i think the there is a baltic league already well the the league in particular i mean like you have how many teams within it uh no i don't i i don't remember but there is a uh, uh, apart from the domestic leagues in uh, estonia lithuania and latvia there is also uh, another another league 
which is basically more like a, a friendly league. So it's not nothing official, but they also do uh, an, a, a, a secondary league called the Baltic Futsal League. Where is that they... the LNFS one? Or sorry, sorry that you're speaking the Baltic League. Um, yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's not the. It's I not confuse the... the Baltics and Balkan all the time out there. Is it the LNFS one that they're doing? The one you're speaking of? No, no, no. LNFS is not involved. It's uh, it's something that was born before the LNF started uh, getting interested in various uh, countries, and there are uh, some. There are various teams from uh, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia. I think some from Belarus, have some second tier teams from Russia playing together and maybe to I think they made it to uh, have to give some more international experience to the top clubs in the in the Baltic countries and and they and this this is already a thing and and they I remember I remember Lithuania played a friendly game with an, an all-star team from this Baltic league in the preparing for the World Cup, so they took the, all the teams, all the play best players from various teams, and made and made this uh, this friend against Lithuania. That's wild. Well, let, let me ask uh, you. Oh, sorry. Go on. Keep going. No, I mean a, a Balkan league would be would be amazing because uh, I mean, uh, for example, the Croatian the Croatian league is one of those I would love to follow more than I actually do because it's a uh, it's really, it's really, it's a really nice league. I remember I followed it in the in summer during the pandemic. It was one of the few leagues that was playing in that period and was uh, very fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, you, we always have seen highlights on YouTube. That's kind of how we've been able to access futsal for the better part of the last fifteen years is YouTube highlights. Now with social media, Instagram is like you know highlights everywhere, and. I remember watching Croatian and Serbian league and you see the fans. It, it's crazy. The ultras over there, I would kill to go and see a uh, red star uh, versus Dinamo game, or you, you have something along the lines of partisan, uh, you know, versus Zagreb, you know what I mean? Like it just, it would, it must be unbelievable. You know, imagine, you know, something like that. Uh, you, you, the problem is I think when you're in the gyms, you have the flares and the smoke goes up and then you have the sprinklers yeah. <laughs> come down and wash the whole court away. I don't know how they get around that. Uh, cause you can't stop those fans. Those fans in the Baltics uh, or sorry, yeah. the Balkan region, they're, they're, they're some of the best fans in the world in any sport. Yeah. Because they also have a big uh, basket culture. So basketball culture yeah. and they, you can also, if you watch some videos from, uh, basketball games or derbies from, from those countries, it's, uh, it's crazy. So, I love it. so yeah, it's a really nice, it's a really nice uh, uh, atmosphere. Well, well, let's let's move forward out there. I mean, we could talk for hours. I mean, this is why I I, I met him just so anyone who doesn't know, I met him in Wale for the first time in Klapeda, which is the most western city in Lithuania that was hosting the World Cup. And I see this guy tweeting. I'm like, man, this guy knows his stuff. I'm like, let, let me see. You know, he's, <laughs> he's in the country, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm on vacation. I wanted to watch the tournament. I show up, he's wearing this giant Angola shirt, you know, because I think the game we were watching, uh, I, I think it, um, I want to say it was Angola versus Spain and uh, Panama versus Brazil in the double header. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we had the masks on, so, you know, we, we couldn't really see each other so well. 
uh, but then met up uh, later on in uh, Connus. Uh, I mean, it's just super knowledgeable. And to find the stuff that he does, uh, why am I talking like you're not here? The stuff that you do, you're with Futsal Corner, which is one of the best futsal sites, news information on the planet, and also with Cuatro Cero. Tell us a little bit about your work with those guys, um, you know, the, the fantastic uh, David Candelas and, and everybody there. You know, <laughs> let me know. Did I pronounce it right, by the way? Did I tell you, pronounce yeah, it yeah. right? There we go. Yeah, no, I, I with, the, with a bunch of friends, I had the chance to meet uh, thanks to futsal and the futsal community. Uh, I, I cooperate with a, with, a, with a bunch of them in different projects. And one of those is uh, Futsal Corner, is a Spanish web website uh, directed uh, by uh, Daniela Lopez, uh, which, who is very, also very active uh, on Twitter. And we, they, also, they, do, they, they, also, they both have a website and a, po and a podcast, and where, which airs every, every Tuesday. What do they cover on this podcast? Well, they they cover uh, well, especially uh, uh, the Spanish league, hmm. both masculine and feminine. They they started uh, they started uh, last uh, last year covering uh, uh, female futsal, especially in Spain, and they are doing a great job because it's uh, that's this is another theme, <laughs> like uh, uh, female futsal deserves lot a lot of more space and attention and they are absolutely they're they doing uh, and they are doing i'm the first that should follow more of that i'm i'm going to be honest and they are doing a great job following the spanish league and with the and they they do interviews and uh, photo galleries uh, like reports reporting directly from from the games they do they do a uh, uh, an amazing, an amazing job, and the other project is uh, Quattro Zero, which is with the other Italian friends. Uh, one of those is the one and only Valerio Scalabrelli, and <laughs> we also uh, have a have a podcast and a, a Twitter profile, and we where we try to. Uh, get to know futsal in Italy and the, in the Italian uh, Twitter community, which is a very, very difficult task, but we are trying. So futsal corner, of course, is in Spanish and Quattro Zero is in Italian. And in a futsal corner, I, uh, not, not at the moment, but I usually do the international section of the podcast and usually with the David Candelas and uh, Ricard Ferrer, who are, uh, those are two real futsal experts, not like me. Those are two real futsal experts. I don't even are, want to know what knowledge they have. If about they, they are like encyclopedias, like they do, they know everything about uh, any league, any league in, especially in Europe, but not only that. So, and they, and I get to mention they did uh, a really a really nice job uh, on YouTube, uh, doing like a preview video series of one about the four groups. In that was the, the Italian language one, right? 
they are Spanish. They do it in Spanish. Oh no, so, sorry. There was one. There was an Italian profile that you did with Valerio, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that is Quattro okay, Zero. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, and these two guys, uh, I uh, I used to uh, work uh, cooperate with them within futsal, within futsal corner, but now they did this thing uh, on their own, which is uh, another amazing job. They they do like uh, they have a chat. Uh, they where they explain in detail uh, their thoughts about uh, the teams and players of, of the four groups, and it's very very interesting to see them. Even though the the competition has already started, so if you if you know Spanish, you should definitely check them out. And, and if not, I think uh, Google Translate will take care of it. Uh, if it's a podcast, you can't really do that, but anything written, you can easily get it set. They they did they did uh, some YouTube videos, so you can. You can hope and rely about. Uh, you can hope uh, automatic subtitles can help can help you, but I don't think they're going to do a great job. Not especially. as good. It, it helps watching Money Heist. That's about as much as uh, the Spanish <laughs> I pick up. Especially, especially with all the funny names. <laughs> Sometimes you can get some strange results with the transcription. But if you if you wanna know, if you wanna learn Spanish and the futsal, you can definitely check them out. Well, and I mean, you know, I saw some of the work. Let's talk about Joel Piago, uh, you know, this fantastic series of starting lineups and, and coaches and the graphics are fantastic. And this is what futsal needs more of. I mean, Joel Piago and also the on-the-court guys, we spoke about them yesterday on the show with Damon, uh, the Tapia Owens brothers, half Spanish, half English, all awesome. But also Joao Tiago, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about um, you know his work and uh, kind of any collaborations that you've had. Well, he he's doing a, a great job with. Uh, I mean, he started on his to doing that uh, on his own, like he just had starting having fun doing these cool graphics about uh, lineups and starting fives for the. I think it was for well, it surely did it before that, but the first time I saw him doing that was for uh, uh i think it was uh, the the last final final four in the champions league so he uh, so he, he cooperated with the futsal corner when we issued the world cup guide when we prepared uh we prepared a world cup guide like a 60 page world cup guide and there were uh he had us with the he had us with the with the, with the description of uh, the team of Portugal, he he did a very good analysis, and uh, and he had quattro zero with his graphics because we we always work in parallel with the on the Spain on the Spain and Ita on the Spanish and Italian axis, <laughs> always try to, and and uh, and yeah, and also with the before the the futsal the, the futsal Euro he, he had. Uh, Quattro zero with our Fred uh, before the futsal, uh, before the tournament with all the lineups. But he, the main the main job he does is with the web uh, zero zero, uh, which is a futsal uh, Portuguese uh, website. And we're gonna where... have a guest or two from that website. You better believe I've been working particularly on a certain young lady over there who does phenomenal interviews. I'm not gonna drop her name. Because she still has to confirm this week if she's in or not. She just said, "Yeah, yeah, don't have me when Portugal's playing, and I'm in." So I'll leave it at that. That's one of the that's one of the best uh, 
websites around for futsal fans, even if you don't so speak good. Portuguese. So, so, so there is such a nice uh, database. Uh, it's so uh so detailed and you can even do your own contribution if you create a profile like on wikipedia it's <laughs> it's really funky i mean because you sit there and you see some of the content and i just wish it was out there i mean like you know for me in particular i mean i love reading the interviews where they get stuff from players and coaches that they don't talk about in mainstream media you know have post-match stuff like they really take stuff seriously and I love it. I mean, honestly, one of my favorite journalists in, in futsal is, you know, Paula Ferreira Lobo. And, uh, you know, her work over there is fantastic. So, you know, I I, I want to see every single one of these sites grow. I want to see Cuatro Cero go. I want to see Futsal Corner grow. Uh, you know, I want to see Zero Zero. It's, for me, it's the more content out there um, is only going to help the sport grow. We need to build superstars. I keep saying that almost every episode because we need to build our superstars. We had Falcao. We had Ricardinho to the average fan who watched futsal maybe once every four years. But we need to do it where everybody knows at least a couple players on, you know, the major national teams, knows which clubs are the top out there. And the people who are helping to do that are these websites and the journalists like you who are actually putting a shine out there to make it happen. So that's just <laughs> how I me, feel about Don't call it. me journalist. Call me fanatic. Fanatic. <laughs> Fanatic, this is for sure out there. You go all the way to Lithuania during the COVID pandemic to watch futsal like me. And uh, I think we're a little crazy on there. But no, this is no, I not. I no, I, I really it's it's important to point out that I don't work in futsal and I'm not a journalist. <laughs> hey, listen, you know more than half the people working in futsal out there. I mean, we're just passionate people. I mean, for me, this is the soft yeah, yeah, launch of a passion project project that I just love it. And uh, for me, it's difficult because I'm in Canada and it's not a very big futsal country. You know, we're hoping to change that. Um, but it's nothing like Europe, nothing uh, like Brazil or Argentina, certainly nothing like Asia. Um, but, you know, eventually 20 years from now, I want to be able to look back and say, hey, you know, futsal is global, futsal is worldwide. And you had people laying the groundwork like Luca Ranocchiari and, and Nico and all these other guys trying to promote it. And now we got the new, you know, people today. I know you're not a journalist. You say you're a fanatic, but you're one of the smartest guys in this sport, very knowledgeable about it. Where can people find out more information about you, Imamwale? Well, I basically base my futsal activity on Twitter, and you can follow me on the handle I put here <laughs> uh, uh, beside my name. And... That's it. I just I also have other profiles. So if you want, you can look uh, look look me up uh, in uh, on Facebook and Instagram. But that's more for uh, other other stuff. More like maybe for clubbing and music and it's EDM traveling. parties. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> but for if you want uh, my futsal my my futsal activity is all it's all on, it's both based on uh, Twitter. That's where I know I got to know the sport. That's where I got to know. All the people I know now, and that's where I wanted to be centered. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. I was so, looking so forward to having you on. Um, maybe you'll come back. I mean, we got two weeks left of this tournament, so if there's a you know a time where you're not busy translating, listening to uh, the latest state of trance, uh, hopefully <laughs> we get to come back for another day. Sure, why not? That will be a pleasure. All right, brother. Well, listen. Check out Emmanuel Riso over on Twitter. 
you got it right there. You can see it. If you can't, I'm going to personally tweet Facebook, Instagram, all the social media stuff that I hate doing, but we got to do it because it's <laughs> Euro 2022. UEFA doing a good job. KNVB doing a good job. Emmanuel Riso doing a fantastic job. Make sure you check out Futsal Corner, Cuatro Zero, and all the other good sites out there. Emmanuel, grazie mille, my friend. Grazie a te. Ciao.